Good Data by Bad VR. So, welcome to the first episode of Good Data by Bad VR. Um, this is our new podcast that we're starting. Um, I believe most of the people listening to this are probably going to know who I am. Um, my name is Suzanne Borders. I'm the co-founder um, and CEO of Bad VR. Uh, my background is product and UX design. I have here with me today a Stephanie Feldman, who I will allow to introduce herself. Hi, um, as Susie said, I'm Stephanie Feldman. I'm a product manager at Bad VR. I came to Bad VR with about 13 years of experience in the interior design industry and took a leap of faith about a couple years ago, just over two years, and joined Susie over at Bad VR. Yeah, so that sort of segues nicely into the topic that we're gonna discuss today, which is broadly speaking risk. Like what is risk? How does it play a role in your professional life and your personal life? What are the benefits of risk? Um, a lot of people, it's a, it's a topic that, especially in a startup setting, is very relevant. Um, a lot of people don't take journeys into the startup world because it's too high risk, or some people are really attracted to it. Um, so overall, with this podcast and with these episodes, what we're trying to do is really just hone in on a, a, a topic and just discuss it. So we're not gonna be getting into anything necessarily about the business or about the product. We're just trying to have good conversations about good data um, sponsored by Bad VR. So um, I'd like to ask you a few questions about sure. that, that journey. Um, co coming into the tech industry from the interior design world, like what was that like? I remember having a conversation with you uh, yeah. because we had worked together on a, an interior design project or mm -hmm. software for the interior design world. Um, and I'd always really admired your character and your work ethic. Um, but what was that sort of that taking that risk or that step coming in from a completely different industry, joining not only a, a tech business, but a tech startup, an emerging tech startup in this really, really <laughs> brand new field of yeah. AR and VR technology. What was that risk like? And what was that? How did it feel to take that sort of that journey? Sure. Well, journey is a, a great word for it. It definitely was. So um, I started out in interior design. When I got out of college, I worked for a small design firm in New York and then slowly moved my way through different areas of interior design. I worked at a lighting company. I went back to interior design, worked for a big celebrity designer in LA. And then I slowly started moving towards um, interior design related tech startups. And that's where I learned about the tech side of things. And I love the interior design world in LA. It was great. I had a whole community here. And I learned so much and it was so much fun, but I realized that I, I want to do something different. I never felt as passionate about it as I saw other people. I loved interior design and it was really fun, but I just, there was something in my heart that wasn't fully in it. And I remember having a conversation with you one day and just telling you like things that I was feeling and, um, yeah, and, and you brought up an opportunity to try something new. And I knew that I didn't want to be in interior design anymore, but I knew what I wanted to be. And I wanted to work for someone or woman who was going to empower me. I wanted to work somewhere where I could grow, somewhere I could be creative still, but um, just change where I was going. And I didn't know what that was. And the second you opened up the idea of even working at Bad VR, something totally new, I immediately felt excited. 
And it was very nerve wracking to think of changing something that I was so comfortable with. And I think I stayed in interior design for so long because I was comfortable with it. I knew so many people, I had a great community, but it, it was time to try something different. I think I'd hit my, my end point where I, I didn't feel that I was growing anymore. So you think that you are overall somebody who's, because I tend to find in life there's people that are risk junkies that really love taking risk, mm -hmm. and there tend to be people that are a little risk adverse that don't like to take the risk or don't like the change. Where do you think you fall on that sort of spectrum? It's funny. Well, if you ask my mom, she'll say I'm not. I don't like change, and yeah. it's true. I'm not great with it, but I find that once I allow myself to take that risk, take that leap of faith, change into something that I was maybe a little nervous or scared or didn't think I'd be good enough or I would yeah. know enough. Once I do it, I realize that it was a lot easier than I thought. And yeah. that, um, as they say, with um, great risk comes great rewards. Right. Uh, I actually have a bracelet um, that I wear every day that says nothing dared, nothing gained. Yeah. And I got that a few years ago on a fortune cookie and it stuck with me. Yeah. And so... Uh, change is definitely hard and it's scary, but I can say that I've learned so much in the past two years. I say sentences and put things together that I would have never thought would have come out of my mouth. So yeah, um, it's change. been great to see you grow, you yeah, know, and, and you. grow into that role and and learn all these new things. Um, uh, for myself, I fall on the opposite end. I'm a risk junkie. I love taking risks. And my journey has been a kind of the opposite of that, which I think is great to come at it from both angles. Yeah. Um, you know, the vast majority of my early, my early life as a, an adult was all about taking risks. But my problem was that I didn't take them in a thoughtful, calculated manner. I just sort of broadly took them, all the risks that I possibly could. Um, and the process that I really found over time that works is if you are somebody who is a risk junkie like myself, it's not just taking the risk, it's taking the right risk at the right time with the right people. So you have to have like a framework in place uh, to ensure that like the risk that you're taking isn't just uh, careless or foolhardy or taking it for risk's sake or for adrenaline's sake. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, there's definitely a point in, in life where that's a good thing to put yourself out there and to take a lot of risk. But I think when you're talking about really honing in on success, you have to do it. You have to take that risk or integrate that factor in within a larger framework. So you have to have the other parts of it in place. An analogy for it would be I guess, you know, if you're building a home, you have all these different pieces that you're constructing. Or if you have a team of people, you have all these different pieces of the team. And risk is just one of many pieces of a successful enterprise, whether that be a business or successful life, whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. And I think that people get hung up on like, oh, well, you have to take any risk or any, all risks are equal. And that's not true. Not all risks are equal. Um, all of them come with some reward if, it, if done well. But the ones that really, really matter, in my opinion, are the ones that are within that framework that are thoughtful and that are, you know, right time and all of that. And a lot of people also ask me in particular about as a founder, the yeah. decision to start a business and to take that risk personally um, and 
<laughs> it's funny too because a lot of people think it's quote unquote brave. For me, it was only it was the only path that I really had because I just am not a person that can follow other people. I've tried working at other companies and and I can do that to some point or period to some extent, but um, ultimately I'm not happy. So it was to me the ultimate. It was just something that I ended up doing because I had to. So in that sense, it wasn't even a calculated risk. and I didn't think of it as a risk. It was just sort of an inevitability and a full extension of what I was doing or what I wanted to do. So, yeah. so that would actually even, you were avoiding the risk of not doing something, you know, <laughs> yes. you were yeah. risk, it was, it would be a risk for you to not jump into starting your own business because right. then you would be miserable or not you know, yeah. doing your, your true calling what makes you happy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, when you're coming at it from a perspective of building a team, you want people to, you want a group of people like you would a sports team that have different strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. So when I look at myself and I'm selecting a co-founder or I'm selecting people who work with me, I think a mistake that a lot of people also make is they try to hire or work with people who are exactly like them. So yeah. if that were true for me, I would hire a lot of other tattooed, crazy risk takers <laughs> who love jumping out of airplanes and parachuting or whatever. But my observation and what I've learned is it's great to have complementary people, people yeah. that are the opposite of you, to sort of ensure that you don't end up going too far in any one direction. It's like Definitely. looking at it like a sports team, you want to have a person who can cover this position, a person who cover that position. You don't want like five centers. You want, you know, a center or power forward. You, you want all yeah. of these different people coming together to make a team that can do more than just one thing. Um, so I also think it's funny too, because a lot of the times um, when I'm being asked questions about my team or even in my personal life, people assume that I'm going to surround myself with like tattooed people that have like mohawks and, you know, <laughs> neck tattoos or whatever, but One it's day maybe. <laughs> maybe <we'll get> them. <laughs> really, it's more about finding the opposite of me, people who are strong in areas where I am weak. Yeah. So I think that really, um, you know, talking about risk and, and, and the reward of it, I think we're, it's really more about finding complementary versus being just 100% going in that one direction. Absolutely. It's about yeah. finding different perspectives, and that's what you do yeah. by bringing in people that are not like you. Yes, for sure. Yeah. For sure, for sure. And I think there's also this idea that a lot of the times as well, when I'm talking to younger at, at Bad VR, we have interns and we're, you know, a lot of the times the people that join the team are maybe coming like you were from different industries. And there's this desire or want to sort of find a shortcut to success or find a way to accelerate the process of learning or accelerate the process of in, in the intern's case, their career. And what I always like to tell people too is that I view risk as that sort of secret ingredient or that shortcut, if you will, to accelerating the learning curve or accelerating some path to or through um, uh, your professional career. So, you know, people, if you come into a startup and you take the risk, I mean, you might get paid a little less, you might have working conditions that are not quite what they would be at a large company. But a good example of utilizing that risk is you're coming in, you're taking a hit on maybe some of these areas, but you're able to go 
from maybe being an intern to being middle management or even the manager of an entire team in a one to three year period of time. Whereas within a larger organization, that might take you 10 or 15 years. Yeah. So it is one of those things where if you are willing to take the risk, it's that secret ingredient that everybody's looking for, that accelerant or that um, you know way to sort of get ahead. So yeah. Absolutely. I've always been drawn to, not always, but my last few jobs were always at startups. And people ask me what I'm doing and why I keep going back. And sometimes I think I'm crazy for doing it. but. I like being a part of the vision from the beginning. Yeah. I like being part of the team and building it together. And yeah. I find that I get more of a voice and I get to see what's happening. There's, there's such a satisfaction of going into something that you're molding and growing together and seeing it come to fruition. And it's just, it's really an amazing thing that it is risky. You don't know what it's going to yeah. be or how it's going to go, but with anything you don't. So why not do something where you get to be more part of it from the get-go. Right, right, absolutely. And if you're thinking about whether risk is a good thing, a bad thing, it really comes down to what are your goals and what are you looking for and how can you best utilize risk to get from where you are today to where you want to go. And also, of course, what your comfort levels are. It's funny, I've gone to a couple like wealth management meetings where they're talking about investing money or whatever and they ask like what's your risk profile and they use these like little tests about like how would you react in this situation or how would you react in this situation to determine what your risk profile is and then of course to make investment decisions with your money based upon that so if you're low risk they're going to put it in bonds where it's like super safe but the return's really low if you're a high risk person they might put it into like investing in a startup or something like that where it's more volatile Mm -hmm. but ultimately you have a much higher likelihood of having a bigger return on the investment in the finance world it's a well-known thought about everybody having a different risk profile and everybody being comfortable with risk in different ways. Um, And there's also this very well understood, you know, relationship between risk and then reward. Uh, And the understanding too, that everybody individually goes towards that and they fall somewhere on that spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think that it's really something that you can look at as being necessarily good or bad. It really just depends on the context. It depends on you as an individual and then also depends on what you're trying to achieve. Because I think, you know, in certain points in people's lives, they have a higher risk profile, they are a higher um, appetite for risk or a lower appetite for risk. Um, And that also changes too, just as you, from being a young person, getting to being older, you have more to lose when you're older, so you're less willing to take risks. Um, Yeah, but I think it's one of those, it's just an ingredient like many other ingredients in life that can be utilized in certain ways, going back and forth, um, depending upon what you're trying to achieve, really. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It's really like when you're gonna take a risk, asking what is it that you want? Yeah. What's the intention behind it? Yeah. You know, because risk can be have a negative connotation or it can yeah. be something that's really good. You think of something as people talk about risky behavior. Yeah. I'm like, what does that mean? Um, but then also risk in terms of advancing something in your financial life. Um, yeah. You know, it's um, losing my train of thought. There. It's okay. <laughs> Where is I going with that? It's no worries. No worries. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's just one of those those things that a lot of people either if they're coming at it from a side of like, I'm risk adverse, it seems kind of frightening or scary Mm -hmm. or something that, you know, 
they're not necessarily comfortable with if you're coming at it from my side it's just a natural thing um but you can go too far in either one direction so i guess like the point that i would try to make or the drive home for anyone who's sort of contemplating this topic is it's really about balance it's about taking the right risk at the right time and then also just determining what you want to get out of the situation um you know and from on our team it's definitely been a conversation that i've had with many of our our younger team members um and there have definitely been some very cute and interesting stories that have come out of that (laughs) one most recently um we have a customer based in the omaha area and you along with a couple other team members went out there um and enjoyed the omaha culture which I will let you explain. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Yeah, so Omaha, middle of the country, someplace I had never been before. I'm a California girl, born and raised. And uh, we went to a beautiful steakhouse because whenever you go to Omaha, people always bring up Omaha steaks. You're going to get one. That's true. And I'm not a big steak person. I like hamburgers or I like ground beef, but just like a piece of meat, it's never really my thing. But When in Rome, or when in Omaha, as they say. <laughs> um, so we went to this uh, really fantastic steakhouse, and I was with Jad, co-founder and CTO of Bad VR, and uh, Brian, our senior engineer, and... VP of engineering. VP oh. of engineering. My, yes. My apologies. No, it's okay. <laughs> and uh, we're moving so fast. Um, and Jad ordered, uh, a, what was it, a thing of ribs. Oh, yeah, the rack of ribs. A rack yeah. of ribs. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I've, I've seen ribs come. I, I don't eat them. Personally, I've tried them. Um, but he ordered them, and it was... Uh, you would think that it would just be, like, a few, a normal yeah. amount. And it was the size of the plate and double. They were stacked on top of each other, and it was just... <laughs> it was mind-boggling. I mean, I've yeah. never seen that much meat on someone's plate at one time. You would think that was for a family of five, maybe yes. more, maybe ten. Yes. Um, it was so much. So... Uh, it was it was quite the experience. Sounds like the Midwestern um, culinary experience in one little anecdote. Like, oh yeah, there's Ain't no stopping no. the amount of food that they will pile onto a plate. No, no offense to people listening from the <laughs> Midwest. <laughs> it was delicious. I had some of the best food. I had a meatloaf the first yeah. night and everything, but. Um, when I came back to LA, I couldn't, they just opened up a Shake Shack around the corner for me that I was waiting for, yeah. for months. I couldn't even look at it. I couldn't smell it when I came back. I yeah. said, no more red meat for, you know, at least a few weeks, but. Yeah, I remember, cause I had ended up staying back on that trip, uh, yep. holding down the fort here in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, we have a company Slack, like most people have a company Slack and you guys had posted photos of these amazing plates full of animal flesh and one of our um, younger team members who is a very big animal fan and um, you know I was making fun of these portions of flesh just posting flesh the word flesh multiple (laughs) times in the slack channel with various different gifts and emojis flesh flesh and uh, I think uh, took it took a big risk there on my end knowing that some of my team members are a little bit um 
uh, very sensitive to that sort of thing uh, ended up I think uh, being misinterpreted at least initially and thinking that I was like a very big advocate of just eating flesh <laughs> and that I, I myself just was like so psyched about these like mountains yeah. of, of of animal flesh um, but really I was just I myself am not a big I grew up my parents are hippies so we grew up like not really eating a lot of meat yeah. so I do eat meat now occasionally like some chicken or stuff but I don't really like I don't care for beef and I definitely don't care for steaks or big chunks of like animal mm -hmm. flesh so it was me making fun of it and um yeah but I, I it was it yeah. was quite the unique unique team <laughs> team interaction um uh -huh. I'm not 100% sure what that has to do with risk really but um you know it's a fun little <laughs> team, team anecdote that when dropped that risk yeah food. I mean <laughs> going into a new sort of like experience especially a new culture I think a lot of people outside of America and some people even in America especially in larger cities don't realize how much of a cultural difference there is between oh, a city yeah. Yeah, a large metropolitan area in the U.S. and then a smaller city, um, you know, in the middle of the country. I think there's more of a cultural difference between a large American city and a small American city yeah. than there is between a large American city and a large city in another country. So, Definitely. like, L.A. and Hong Kong are more similar than L.A. and Omaha, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So just taking that risk of, like, from going to a place like Omaha that maybe you've never been before yeah. and, and going and experiencing all the different cultural things and from there. I grew up in Kansas City, so I'd spent a lot of time in Omaha. Yeah. Especially like when I was a teenager, I would go up there a lot to see to see shows and stuff. And it was only what two or three hours north from where I was mm -hmm. located. So uh, you know, every time that there is an opportunity to go to Omaha, I'm like I'll stay and hold down the fort. <laughs> Just and like, I love it. I do yeah. something new and different and being... No risk for me there. I've already been and done that. But for you, it's, yeah. it's something new. Being yeah. at home for the past year and a half, I was so excited to get out of yeah. my little apartment. And I'm very grateful for where I live. But... Yeah, yeah. just a new scenery was wonderful and definitely the risk I was willing to take. Yeah, 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 I'm definitely hoping that we can get. I'm looking for, you know, hopefully a client in maybe like Paris or something or oh, yeah. go on a, a Count me in. <laughs> go on Done. that. I'll join trips if it's more oh, on a yeah. plane to Paris. I but. will take whatever risk <laughs> necessary to go. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so another topic that I wanted to touch on in terms of risk is the perception of it being either more scary than it is or less scary than it is. And since this is a podcast called Good Data, since I own a company called Bad VR that does data visualization, I have to bring this point up. So a lot of the times that the the feeling about a certain risk does not necessarily match up with the facts or the data about it. For mm -hmm. instance, driving your car is far more deadly than getting on an airplane. Like the data, the statistics behind the amount of fatalities or accidents when you're driving a car is much, much higher than any sort of fatalities or accidents that happen on airplanes. Yeah. Yet, 
people have a much, much greater fear of flying than they do. You, you're an example of this. I am yes, a great I example forgot of about that. Um, than they do of driving a vehicle. Yep. So when you're thinking about risk and you're looking at it, and, and maybe if you are a risk averse person, you have to really frame it properly. And it's just a fundamental human way of reacting to things where if it's more of an unknown, it's going to seem more risky and more scary than it actually is. But for mm -hmm. myself, uh, less so for me because I love risk, so I just like run headfirst into it. But when I'm dealing with people, I'm working with people or mentoring people who tend to be more risk adverse, I find that it's very helpful to just look at the data around what you're doing yeah. to really give yourself an understanding of where that risk falls in the, the hierarchy of, of risks that you're taking in your life. So another one of uh, other entrepreneurs that I've worked with or that I've mentored or that I'm an advisor for their company, um, especially the risk adverse ones, I like to, if they're facing a really tough um, question or they're, they're running into, oh, should we do this? Should we take this risk or not take this risk? Is really just go to the data. Look at what yeah. the actual likelihood of failure is. And then also look at what's the worst case scenario. If you do fail, then what? Is it, if it is catastrophic, then obviously think very deeply about it. But for me, a lot of the times, like, well, even if I fail and it's not that big of a deal, there's no reason just not to do it. Um, but yeah, so I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I was thinking about that actually as I was coming over here today. What's the risk in failure? Um, because I think a lot of people um, are scared of the what ifs. Yeah. But, um, wait, sorry, I have this in my notes. I wrote it down. Uh, I think that uh, taking risk takes away the what if. Yeah. You know, it's, if, if you never do something, you'll never know and you'll continue to think about it. So for me, um, I didn't have a fear of flying when I was younger. It happened later in life. And I'm someone who loves to travel. Yeah. Travel just like brings me life. I love it. And so I know that if I don't take the risk of getting on the airplane, yeah. that I won't be able to go to my destination. I won't be able to have those life experiences that are so important to me. And it does go back to the data. I'm someone who's... I wouldn't say necessarily risk advert, but um, I am very methodical with every decision that I make. I, have, I am an overthinker. I know that I am. It's something I'm working on, but I, I have to think of everything, every possible scenario. And I like to say I'm very creative. I create a lot of stories in my head. So yeah. it's stopping those stories and really figuring out what are the facts. Yeah. And that does help me make a better decision so that I can truly do something uh, that I want, something that's going to bring me joy because I don't want to yeah. go ahead in my life and look back and realize I didn't do something because I was scared, because I didn't want to take a risk that um, by the data isn't all that bad. It's right. not that scary. It's, right. you know, going to the flying or being in a plane and driving a car. It's, it's really such a great analogy of... Um, how things can hold you back. It's, it's like, if anything, if you look at the data, I should be more scared of driving the car. Right. So, um, yeah. yeah. It, it ends up being not as big a deal as people make it out to be. Yeah. Although the, I'm saying that as, as, you know, a risk. Yeah. I, I'm very much, a, I love risk. I get off on it. I love the adrenaline rush from it. Um, but yeah, I do see a lot of people held back by things that are, yeah. I'm like, even what if the, even if the worst case scenario happens, like, 
it's worse to miss out on the opportunity of doing something yeah. or the life experience of doing it. Because I also think a lot of people don't value failure. And failure is one of the most valuable things, in my opinion. Like, you just have to sometimes, like, face plant in life to really understand how to succeed. And a lot of the times people think that success is where you really learn how to do something. But really, it's all the failures that lead up to the success that teach you much, much more than succeeding ever. Oh, yeah. And almost in a way, I, I, I probably shoot myself in the foot because I sort of seek out failure because I feel like I learn more from it. Oh, yeah. uh, and I'm, I'm less comfortable with success because it's like, I don't, I don't know how to handle that. Then it's what? not, you know, then <laughs> what? I don't, it's not challenging to me to succeed. It's challenging to me to fail. Yeah. And there's this really great quote by one of my favorite poem, or poets, um, Rilke, um, who said that the point of life is to fail at ever greater things. So, you know, I always try to like, if I am failing, which I do like to fail often, I want to fail at more and more challenging things. And that's how I sort of measure my progress. Um, but when you're talking about risk and people who are afraid to take it, it's like, ultimately, that's a, a fear of failure. It's a fear of failing. Yeah. And you really have to get over that if you want to like level up in this game called life or whatever, you know, you have to be comfortable with that. And until you become comfortable with that, you're not really ever going to learn those really, really important lessons. So that ties into to risk to ask yourself if you are a risk adverse person what is it that you're scared of you yeah. know like and and maybe go into that and run into that thing that scares you and get through it to the other side and yeah. once you go through that transformation that's when you will be free to actually now succeed and I think that's something people get really hung up on too is they're they're afraid oh well if I fail once or I fail then I can never succeed and that's just not yeah that, that's not how life works in bro. every area of your life there's going to be failures and setbacks from working from or from your job from relationships yeah. to try everything you're gonna met, be met with challenges yeah. and it's it's just as much of a risk to stay at home in bed and not go out into the world as it is to go do something that scares you yeah absolutely like, I think not doing something is more scary to me yeah, it's the opportunity cost of, of not exactly. of, of inaction. You know, every time you choose not to do something, you're missing out on the opportunities that would have been available yeah. had you done it. And I think, what was that? I read this quote recently where it was, they're talking about um, reach is a serendipity machine. So the more like that you go out into the world and the more that mm -hmm. you do things these natural sort of serendipitous moments will will happen just on their own you know so people talk a lot about all these weird synchronicities or or how did you just be become so lucky to just that this all worked out and it's not so much luck as it is just rep repeating the same behavior yeah. and going out into the world and just trying and trying and doing and trying and the more that you do that and the more that you garner you know, for tech people, the great analogy would be the database. The larger your database, the more likely it is that there will you'll find those unique connections that ultimately lead to a really high, great success, you know, or accomplishment in some way. Yeah. But you don't get those things if you just stay at home. And Absolutely. I, yeah, I hate to be like that, like, older, I'm 35 <laughs> person to like harp on it. But I think one of the things that the younger generation misses a lot is that, you know, you have to have some uncomfortable 
failures in life you cannot insulate yourself yeah. from that and you can never really meaningfully succeed if you always avoid any sort of negative feeling or any sort of unhappiness or stress like the whole point in life isn't to be happy really it's to become fulfilled which is a deeper more nuanced state mm -hmm. of being and you cannot reach fulfillment or get fulfillment or achieve fulfillment without taking risks without feeling discomfort without failing you know and I think yeah. like going back to that risk people who don't like risk are afraid of failure you cannot be afraid of failure it's like it's <laughs> I have this movie poster on my wall from the film Apocalypse Now and one of the a quote from that movie so I'm, I'm full of quotes and <laughs> I love it keep them coming one of my favorite actors is Marlon Brando. I love Marlon Brando because he's really raw in his performances and he goes on these like long monologues about stuff and most of the time his monologues are not written or they weren't written. He just sort of made them up on the spot or he would, you know, take cue cards to the ceiling and sort of like use them as these um, triggers to go on these long rants or whatever. But anyways, that movie Apocalypse Now, he says, you know, Fear and mortal terror have to be your friends, and if they're not your friends, they're your enemies. And that's true. Like, if yep. you cannot make, and, and I, it's not necessarily in this situation with fear or mortal terror, but if you cannot make failure a friend, then it is definitely something that you have to fear. But once you get past that fear and you become comfortable with failure and it becomes quote unquote a friend, then there's nothing that you can't do. Yeah. There's nothing you can't accomplish, you know? Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. It's really just, it's once you do something that you're scared of and you realize it's, oh, that was it. And that yeah. was easy. Recently I was going through something in my personal life and we went back to Omaha a few weeks ago and I was nervous to go I had so much to do and I I was really adverse to going for a moment because I had so many things that I had to take care of and I was scared to leave everything behind and the way I was feeling and the second I got off that plane in Omaha which was a direct flight yeah. on a little tiny plane which I was scared <laughs> to get on I did it and I just I had this sense of relief yeah and I was like oh my god I did it yeah. And I felt so proud of myself. And there's something that, like, you can't ever get that feeling if you don't just go for it. Yeah. And it, it was such a great feeling, and it gave me... I just felt more empowered and it gave me energy to keep moving forward and it was like alright I didn't think I could do it and I did and yeah. it's just it really it's constantly proving yourself that you are greater than you think you are stronger than you think and you're yeah. braver than you think yeah and that, that's what comes with risk and it's it's a really wonderful feeling when you can surpass those fears and they don't always just go away but I think um, it's really about embracing the discomfort. Yeah, you're absolutely. gonna come across uncomfortable situations and scenarios and right. situations and um, embracing that and learn. It's it's really learning how to handle it and how yeah. to if you have to think about the data or the facts that go into something yeah. you're afraid of or if you have to just meditate or whatever you have to do. There are so many tools yeah. to go through and. Um, just really to be able to get going back to what we said before getting what you want yeah what's your intention like what what's behind it right you have to go through these hurdles to ultimately and that's a good point too you yeah. have to know what you're in it for what yeah. is the ultimate goal what do you want to achieve and whatever mm -hmm. it is that you're doing and I think a lot of people just sort of go through life and avoiding discomfort avoiding risk and not really having an end goal in mind or not really having yeah. a goal in mind beyond this vague concept of like, 
I'd like to be happy. But they don't really know what happiness means, so they go about these things and they do the things that they think will make them happy, but then ultimately once they do those things, they're still not happy, and they're just sort of living in in a responsive state, just responding every day to the things that come in versus... Right, and playing it safe versus trying to set a goal and then making proactive choices that move you closer to that goal. And then also really going like deep inside yourself and say, well, what do I want out of this life? What do I have to say? Yeah. What would I like to share with the world? How would I like to spend my time? I think that that self-reflection is so important mm-hmm. because without that, you're basically a ship sailing unmoored in the seas you know you don't have a course you don't have a purpose you don't have a goal and of course you're not going to be happy like that or you're not going to feel most importantly fulfilled but this this concept that everybody is entitled to feel good or they're entitled to feel safe or comfortable or you know it's like that's not true you know nobody's entitled to that and not only that but if that's what you're seeking out you're shooting yourself in the foot you're not going to achieve what it is that even if your goal in life is just to be happy you can't get there without feeling discomfort or you know stress on some some path towards that Um, but definitely you're not going to get there if you don't understand exactly what it is that you want exactly I think for me too it's I've dealt with anxiety or certain things in my life and where I just didn't feel good. And I got to a point where I just said, I don't want to feel like this anymore. And so, again, it goes back to that. I can risk not being happy and not doing things I want by staying in bed, by doing the things that are comfortable but still feeling unhappy yeah and you get to a point where it's like all right enough like I want to move forward and the only way to move forward is through and um it's really just about pushing yourself just a little you know extra harder than than maybe you would have and yeah it just it, it is that stepping off the plane in Omaha or taking the job at bad VR those yeah things that you're scared to do and you realize like it feels better than you can imagine. Yeah. Well, I hope it didn't end up working a bad VR being too scary. <laughs> <laughs> it was just not at, all, not at all. No, I know. I'm just I'm playing with that. I know. It's overwhelming, I know it's, for sure. Yeah. Yes. And definitely, I mean, it was overwhelming for me to start my own company and be a CEO. Yeah. I didn't know. I'm still learning how to do that. You know, I'm naturally a pretty introverted person, so the concept of like having a large team of humans and having to <laughs> motivate them and yeah. you know that that's been a whole learning curve for me. Um, but, you know, I think all of us benefit together by yeah. being the type of people who understand that, you know, discomfort and risk and all of that have long-term payback or long-term payoff. Um, and we're not really focused so much on being happy or comfortable today as we are at feeling fulfilled tomorrow. Exactly. And that's, you know, part of running a company is building a culture and that's part of the culture that I'm trying to imbue in my company and then also more broadly just to share with the world because I see so much you know of this 
these ideas that I just think are wrong, you know, where you're prioritizing short-term happiness over long-term fulfillment. And I just am really glad for me personally that I can achieve some of my goals through this company. Not all of them obviously have personal goals as well as professional goals, but professionally the goals that I'd like to achieve. Um, and I couldn't do it without, you know, not only the risks that I've taken, but people like you that are willing to take the risk to believe in me. Yeah. So that's been really, really awesome. Well, too. it goes both ways. I'm super grateful that you, it's like, not only was I taking a risk on a new job, you were taking risk on me coming from a completely different background. And you had a vision and an idea of me coming from interior design and taking that spatial awareness that I learned in that industry and bringing yeah. it into VR. But I'm so grateful that you wanted to take a risk on me and, and bring me into this role. And, um, you have empowered me and you have taught me and same with Jad and, and everyone that's yeah. come onto the team. I've, I've learned something from everyone. There's risk on both sides, especially yeah. when joining a company. It's, it's not just what I did. It's, it's also what you did. And so, um, without that risk for one another, we wouldn't be where we are today. Yeah. And being uh, as rad as we are today. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's very true, and and that's one of the things we we will have an episode coming up soon about hiring and about you know just that's one of the hardest things in my opinion in a startup is is finding good people, hiring yeah. good people. But just to touch on that a little bit, for me personally, it's always more about someone's character and who they are as a person than it is about their specific skill set. I mean, there are obvious exemptions to this rule for specific roles, but broadly speaking, I'm looking for people with good character, who are hard workers, who can handle adversity and grow from adversity. Yeah. So for me, it's that's what I'm looking for. And because I know that specific skill sets, like how to use Photoshop or how to use Lucidchart or SharePoint or whatever, you can teach that to people who are naturally yeah. bright or naturally hardworking. But you cannot teach somebody to care when they don't. Or you can't teach somebody to have character, you know, or to, to not crumble under stress if that's just not who they are as a person, you know? Yeah. And it's like I saw in you somebody who could handle stress, who really had a strong sense of self and a strong sense of perseverance and who would continue even when things got rough. So to me, regardless, I love that you had a 3D sense of design, but like the character is really what, you know, it's like that's a risk. I will always take a risk on somebody who has a character like that. You know, thank you. Of course. That means a lot yeah. to hear. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's true. And, and, you know, a lot of people too, if, especially in startups, and I get this from like investors and stuff, they're like, they want the like, you know, PhD from like Harvard or MIT <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And I just really couldn't care less about that. To me, it's just like uh, education. Yeah, sure. I believe in education. But like when you start talking about, and especially in a start, it's like, dude, it's so hard on a, on a person personal level oh, like yeah. if you got to have a character a, or some life experience or it's just yeah. not like and, and the, the the cloistered walls of academia and I'm gonna sound like I'm such a hateful person I, I don't hate <laughs> academia but it's just not an environment in my opinion that really builds grit or character um, it just really insulates people from life and yeah. that's really good if you need them to be like brainiac theoretical stuff but in mm -hmm. startups it's really hands-on it's about execution not like brainiac sort of stuff so it's just really to me it's like super super important that people that yeah. I'm looking for have that um, you know 
personal grit and character and experience and, and not, not being able to crumble under stress because as you know, as I know, every day is like super, super stressful. <laughs> There's always bit. something, just a little bit, always something <laughs> that needs to like be done that isn't done. There's deadlines, you know, whatever. So it, coming from a place where that hasn't been their day-to-day life, I, I just... Yeah. And then also you, you we can go into the whole thing about like, oh, hiring ex-Google people or ex-Facebook people. Again, big company, like completely different. Like I found that a lot yeah. of the times hiring people like that, it's just they end up, you know, expecting all these other things that they do one thing really, really well, but then they, they, they don't want to do anything around that or adjacent to it. Yeah. Whereas obviously at a startup, you have to do a little bit of everything, everything. every day. Yeah. So it's just, you know, different strokes for different folks. Not, I have nothing against people in academia. I have nothing against people who work at large companies. I'm just saying for my business and what I hire for and look for in yeah. people, it's just, just that ain't it bro (laughs) yeah it's got to be the right fit yeah and especially the fact that we spend so much time with the people that we work with yeah so you have to get along you have to learn how to communicate you have to learn how to work well together and um it's really building off of each other's strengths yes and you bring so much more to that from other life skills there are things you learn in skills or in school that are extremely valuable of course but it shouldn't be just about that. There's so yes. much more. I definitely know that I learn more by doing yeah. than whatever I read in a book. I, and so yeah, for sure. Me too. Yeah. I'm a I'm a learner by a doer. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I think that's really all the time that we have for today. Um, thank you so much, Stephanie. I couldn't have picked a better co-host and for the audience moving forward we're going to continue to have these good conversations about good data topics ranging from everything you know hiring entrepreneurship to feminism to whatever else we end up coming up with it the really the goal is just to have great conversations with great people we will also be having some uh, guests on this podcast moving forward too um, we will be releasing a list of who will be um, and if you're interested in coming on to this podcast or being a guest please feel free to reach out info at badvr.com um, but yeah thank you so much for your time thank and you for having me this was a lot of fun yeah looking forward to doing it again me too peace out dudes bye Good Data by Bad VR.